Hey everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview TJ Wanalski, CEO in Environmental Air Specialties. Environmental Air Specialties, or EAS, is a company that creates air filtration systems for virtually every industry. They're in houses, they're in offices, they're even in operating rooms at hospitals. The thing that's unique about EAS versus any of the other companies we've had on the show before is they've been around for a hundred years, a century. And in the episode, TJ and I will discuss how he's made his way up the ranks to now being CEO of a century old company. The link between climate change and air quality more broadly, why indoor air quality is so much worse than outdoor air quality, and why it's one of these greatly underappreciated life hacks for most of the general public, their flagship product, the Jade, and lastly, the one big thing that TJ is most excited about. And before we jump into the episode, I just want to give a big shout out to TJ and his team at EAS for becoming sponsors of this episode and the next slate of episodes. As you know, we haven't had a sponsor of the show since the very first slate of episodes when Byte helped us launch the show. I've been super picky about who we show face to, who we give the platform to, and so it's with great pleasure that we work with EAS as a partner over the next few shows. And in this conversation, you'll hear exactly why I said yes to this opportunity to partner with them. So again, thank you so much to TJ, to the EAS family. And without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with TJ Wanalski, CEO and environmental air specialist. TJ, welcome to the show. Hi, Peter. Thank you for having me. Uh, TJ, first off, I just want to tip my hat to you and the team for supporting In Good Hands over the next few episodes. I, I really do uh, appreciate the support for sponsoring us, and I'm excited to to jump into what y'all are up to. Well, it's our pleasure. You've done a uh, you've done a fantastic job, and and we're glad to do. Uh, we want you to keep up the good work. Oh, you're too kind. So, TJ, let's kick off with the basics for the listeners. What is EAS? EAS is a company, Environmental Air Specialties. We were established in 1921 as a industrial vacuum system company. And we supplied and started cleaning air way back when, when dust was being created in factories. And we've grown and stayed around and have provided these air solutions to people ever since. We also have other products that have been used to reduce compressed air usage in plants. And that's a good link into reducing climate change. Anywhere where people can save power with air at lower pressures than compressed air, it's a good thing. We've been able to save companies hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in electricity costs. In fact, we had one company that we saved so much money that their accounting department audited them. Uh, they, uh, yeah, yeah. They wow. were literally paying half the electric bill to the utility company and someone says, hey, something's wrong. We have to check this out. 
So they implemented technology to turn off multiple 100, 100 horsepower compressors, and, and it caught a lot of people by surprise. <laughs> wow. All right. So there's a lot I want to jump into there. I want to establish the link between climate, air quality, and how EAS is one of the players at the forefront of solving these puzzle pieces. But before then, a hundred year company, right? 1921. This is an inaugural episode of this type of caliber on In Good Hands. We have never had a company on the show that's about to hit their one century milestone. So TJ, if, if you don't mind, maybe break down at what point do you enter the company's history and then ultimately make your way to the CEO position of this century old enterprise? Yeah, it's funny. I don't think of it as a hundred year old company, but I was reminded the other day, the corporate seal, we had to hit something and it said 1921. So I did see that because we're always innovating and trying to stay out in front of things. But the company was started by a couple gentlemen back in 1921, and they had run it. Their sons had taken it over, and they ran it through their uh, entire careers. And then my dad had bought it from them. I think he bought it in 1987. I started working for my dad and with my dad shortly after that. Yeah, after I graduated from college. And then, and then in 2000, I don't know, 13, I had bought the company from my mom. This is the, the amazing thing about the story is EAS has been a part of your life since probably before you were legally able to work. It, your dad purchased the company. You graduate school. And this is something that has always interested me across people who make the leap into their own careers, decide to join up into the family business. Did you feel a gravitational pressure of sorts to join up with your dad after you graduated? Was there an expectation that you would transition there right after school? Talk to me about that junction in your early career. Yeah, I I never felt that pressure. I never felt that from my dad at all. I uh, went to school independently for finance and I thought that was going to be my career track is just to go out and, and, and enter that field. Shortly after school, I, I was always curious about the company. So I asked my dad, I said, hey, dad, can I join your company? And it was going to be in a sales role. And he said, sure. So he gave me the two least producing territories in the company. And he said, go at it. <laughs> and that's how Good I luck. started. <laughs> exactly. Right. All right. So... <laughs> Your dad says, all right, TJ, we're going to take you on board, but we're going to give you the two most lousy, unproductive territories, best wishes, probably not thinking the most of it. I, I, I have to think that as someone that's stepping into fresh shoes, has very little, if any, professional experience at their back, what were those? <laughs> what was it like going to an opportunity of that nature, um, especially when you're just in the first mile of your career? Well, I, I wish I had gone to an opportunity when I first started. I, I was so green I couldn't even get in the door. So, 
So I, I would watch my dad and the other salespeople, boom, make these appointments, be out traveling, be busy all the time. And and I could hardly even get past into the, to the right person that I needed to talk to make an appointment. So that frustrated me for a while because I wanted to succeed. I wanted to do well. And I saw the success going on around me and I was scratching my head saying, what am I not doing that they're doing? So I actually took it upon myself to, to try to figure this out. I would work. I would do my best effort till about noontime. And at one point, I just said, that's it. I, I have to do something about it. And this is way back before the Internet. I, had, I, I would jump in my car. I'd head out to the local university, Clark University in Worcester, Mass. I'd walk right up to the stacks. I'd go to the sales section and I'd pick out a book and then I'd study that. I'd study that for for the afternoon and then I'd come back and I'd do it the next day. And then I, I continued to do that. And slowly but surely, I started to learn what I needed to do in order to, to be effective in sales. Okay. So you're hitting the stacks. You know, you're learning the ins and outs, the best practices of selling what are you actually selling at this time? Yeah, at this time, I'm selling industrial vacuum systems. I'm selling low pressure blowers for process applications. That's pretty much it at the time. Yeah. So what does a, a typical conversation look like? Who was a, a customer, an example of a customer where you're knocking on their door, you're making their pitch? Who was that typical customer and what did a pitch look like back in the late 80s, early 90s? Well, you know what? And you were just saying that a funny story popped into my head when it was the late 80s. I I came out of school and I had the fortune to look pretty young when I came out of school, but I literally looked like I was 12 years old. So (laughs) I was really excited. I had an an opportunity to sell a, a vacuum system for a customer that were making in their process, they had tantalum dust, a highly combustible dust, but they had to take care of it and, and collect it safely. And I was really excited about the opportunity. So I had a real opportunity. It was sophisticated. It was important. And I, li- I went, met with the guy, got in the door. I don't know what happened. He looked at me and he said, I, I can't work with you. I'm, I said, what? He goes, you're 12 years old. I can't work with you. And I'm like, oh, no. So I I was able to work with, with other people in the company, but that sort of took me back by surprise. My gosh. So uh, I imagine at some point in this early career, the team is saying, all right, TJ, you keep managing these two territories and you're thinking to yourself, no, you want to prove yourself to the team. Is there a particular moment in the early history there where you showed your worth. You brought home an opportunity that was meaningful enough that the team around you started taking you seriously. And maybe that laid the foundation for your trajectory up the ladder board. Was there a particular moment or a culmination of events that you can recall? Yeah, I think what was important at the time was really my confidence, my ability to get something done and accomplished. What I did have going for me was I was a little bit naive, I was hungry, and I was tenacious. And when we had we had a big customer that used the blowers, they were in the printing industry, but for 30 years prior to that they had used our competition's blowers. And they 
tried to use our blowers. Again, all the salesmen tried to get our blowers in there because it was a very big potential, but they were unable to for one reason or another. But I kept that was I kept knocking on the door and I kept being as tenacious as I possibly could, as professionally as I could. And one day I, I met with a purchasing agent and she said, hey, she said, I, I'm done. I, I, I can't get your blowers in here. No, no matter how much I tried, you could fill this room with all the correspondence that I've on the arguments that I've made to get this blower in uh, onto our piece of equipment. It's, you know, it's going to save us a lot of money and you guys are, are local. So I'm done. So I was sort of shocked when she said, I'm done. I thought we had established a relationship. But she, what she did is probably did the best thing that she possibly could. She said, she handed me a piece of paper and she said, these are our product managers. And it was a name of two, two people. And she said, go ahead and call them directly and I wish you the best of luck. Well, I was young enough and naive enough to take that piece of paper Go down to the lobby, <laughs> call of them, call them both. I was able to reach one. I told him I was in the lobby. He was gracious enough to come down and meet with me. And I gave him my 30-second pitch why he should use our blower. He said, okay, send me some information. And a little while later, our brought our product was incorporated as part of their system. Wow. So I was, yeah, yeah. And that's when your dad at the time said, okay, TJ. You proved yeah. yourself. You could yeah. bring the heat. That raised some eyebrows. It was good. It was good for our company. It was good for me. Yeah. Wow. All right. So I want to fast forward a bit. And I know today you are the operating head of what next year will be in a hundred year company, right? Y'all, the only time companies can live the test of time is when they've truly, A, built products that are needed in the world, and B, created teams that can continue to innovate and deliver on their promise to their current customers, new customers as they iterate. And obviously, here at In Good Hands, our sole focus is showing listeners that there are plenty solutions to the broader climate crisis. Smart, ambitious people working on big problems and solutions to make the future a place that we're going to be pumped to live in, not the dystopian narrative that tends to claim its place in broader media. So if you can, help us and the listeners better understand the link between air quality, which is a core focus of EIS today, and climate change. Yeah. Well, I just want to make one point that you had said. There are a lot of groups and people making these great strides out there. I look at what we do is helping these people actually be better. We've seen now, and we've becoming very aware, more so now than ever before, of our decreasing air quality in the world. There's people, I'm sure there's listeners out there that have apps on their phone that will pop up and say, poor air quality, don't exercise today. Mm-hmm. That is a direct result of climate change. It's a result of man-made products interacting with VOCs and creating smog. And 
and there's also natural weather patterns, such as in Salt Lake City, when they have an immersion to keep everything sitting on top of the city. So in some months of the year, Salt Lake City has terrible air quality. I remember the first time I went to Salt Lake City, I, I got up and it was in the wintertime and they had this beautiful, very fine ice on all of the, on all, on the trees and on the cars. And I'm from New England, so we're used to this frost in the morning. So that was cool. But this was everywhere. And so I, I was traveling with somebody at local and I said, wow, this is really pretty. He said, yeah, that's not, we don't really consider it pretty. That's like frozen pollution on everything. What? And I, I was horrified. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And as we drove during that day on the, there were highway signs, the children at school couldn't be outdoors. They asked people not to literally not to drive their cars if they didn't have to. So there's serious living conditions that people have to deal with all around the world. Mm -hmm. And for the listeners, I just want to quickly demystify some of the verbiage there. So oh. VOCs, and I think this is important because research has shown that VOC emissions increase with every one degree Celsius, or I think that's 1.8 degree Fahrenheit temperature increase, which leads to more smog. So tell me and tell the listeners, what are VOCs and how are these linked with poor air quality? Like how are those two things linked and what does VOCs mean? VOC is an is a acronym for volatile organic compounds. These are man-made things. These are gases that come off from production and products that we make. They're in mm -hmm. insulations, paints, wall coverings, carpets, adhesives, office furniture, workstations, chairs, our cabinetry. They're everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, the compounding effects of uh, climate change and VOC is extremely detrimental to our health. Because, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but the VOCs are technically harmless in a natural setting, but when they react with these human-generated industrial emissions, right, of nitrogen oxide, they form this ground-level ozone, which is pretty much like the paramount component of smog. Is that correct? That's correct. And there are apps out there. You can go to the EPA. I think it's called Air Quality Now. It's a website uh -huh. that will show the air quality at, at, throughout all parts of the United States. Wow. And when I was doing research for this episode, I think what most of the general public is aware of is visible poor air quality, right? In California, this whole year has been one of the worst forest burning years on record, right? We've seen thousands upon thousands of acres burned down, houses torn down. There was the famous kind of apocalyptic red skies in California where people were taking pictures and it felt like you weren't even on earth, right? It, it looked like you were on Mars or Mercury, some distant planet that just did not look even remotely like the earth and planet we live in today. And obviously in other parts of the world, the runoff from burning trees is I think in many ways the clearest example of poor air quality. But prepping for this interview, indoor air quality is this kind of hidden nemesis that is severely underappreciated 
across the general public. Can you just unpack uh, a little bit more about the, the discrepancies in quality between outdoor and indoor and your thoughts on the broader problem area with indoor air quality today? Well, yeah, it's just stepping back a little bit and talking about the poor air quality in California and that apocalyptic scenario that we had not too long ago. That was scary. I, I, I personally couldn't imagine what it would be like to, to be there. You're, you smell smoke all the time. That's obviously not good for you. And, and I'm sure people have had symptoms of, of that smoke. It was so bad. I, you're in New York. I don't know if you're aware. There was a couple of days that the smoke from the West Coast was over, over on the East Coast. Yeah, wow. it was incredible. So the World Health Organization actually attributes nine, excuse me, seven million deaths per year due to air pollution. It's shortening people's lives. So it, that's really bad. The Envi- Environmental Protection Agency ranks indoor air pollution among the top environmental risks to public health. Wow. So statistically, the indoor air quality is two to five times worse than our outdoor air quality. Wow. So, and if you, yeah, I mean, just go to, ahead. Just to quickly interject, two, two to five times worse than outdoor air quality. That's concerning. I think, just speaking anecdotally, I spend the vast majority of, of my day inside. And I imagine that I'm not alone in that. So, yeah, I, I just, I'm also just having this realization about. The, the consequences of that two to five times worse than yeah. outdoor. Yeah. So back in the 1970s, there was an energy crisis. And to save energy, heating and cooling, buildings became tighter. There was less drafts in there. And that what that did is that sealed up anything that was inside the building. We talked about before the VOCs, or I gave you a quick list, but the list that I gave you for VOCs was things that we find indoors, paint. We now can buy VOC-free paint, but there's formaldehyde in our furniture. There's cleaning chemicals in our house. We have glue. Any new product that we have and that has that nice new smell, those are VOCs. And with our quote-unquote green or not green, I don't want to use that word because there is a positive connotation to that. But with the tightened up houses, all of that was staying inside and is staying inside of our house. And that's contributing to the worse indoor, worse air quality inside. So for the dummy like myself, can you just give us the Sparknotes version as to why poor air quality both outdoor and indoor, but even indoor because of how much more time we spend inside. Why is that bad? What are the consequences or implications of poor indoor air quality? I think I, I think when you, we stop to think about it, that poor indoor air quality is something that probably most of us feel every day. Just take an example at your office or even at your home. Just think about it. In the afternoon, you're up, you're active, you're moving around, you're, you're working at your desk. In the mid-afternoon, do you get a headache? Do you start coughing or sneezing? Do you get tired? 
Is there, do you start getting a sore throat? Do you, your eyes get dry or itchy? Again, do you need that energy boost? Do you need to go and fix it with a snack? Those are all symptoms of poor indoor air quality. So in addition to that, when we go uh, to sleep at night, and if we don't sleep well, that poor sleeping is also a symptom of poor air quality. So to go back to your point, yes, there are 70,000 studies on the benefits of good air quality and also the detriments of poor air quality. Yeah, I just wanted to mention to you, hold on one second, that we're talking about VOCs, but indoor air pollution also is particles, it's dust, it's pollen, it's smoke, it's mold spores and bacteria. And what we're really concerned with today are viruses. These are all things that can be taken care of inside your home. And when I say, or, and your office, and when you take care of them inside your office, not only do you get yourself back up to baseline, which is, I feel good. I don't have these symptoms, but if you do it right, you actually enhance your performance. You actually become smarter. You become and have better abilities. I, I want to tell you about a study. It was, it was a really good study. It was done, a study done by three universities. I think it was Harvard, Syracuse, and SUNY. And mm-hmm. they studied the effects of VOCs on, on people. So they took, um, they took knowledge economy workers, architects, programmers, engineers, designers, and they put them in controlled environments. And then they introduced VOCs to the levels that we find in homes. And then they, then they had a clean green room and they removed them, right? So we, they had a very controlled uh, point where they had ba- re- normal air and then they had clean air. When they had clean air in these green buildings, they, listen to this, their cognitive scores went up. They took tests, baseline tests, and they took tests in these working conditions with clean and VOC-laden air. Their cog- when they were, it was clean air, their cognitive scores were 101% higher. Their response to crisis was 131% better. Their information usage was 299% higher. And their strategy, their strategic decisions, their planning, their prioritizing, that increased 288% when they were not bogged down by VOCs. Mm -hmm. What's funny, I've had this, I don't want to say epiphany of source, but I feel like every week there's a new study that comes out that proclaims this is the best thing or this is the worst thing. A study said this, a study said that. And what I found is that I don't, it's hard for, I'm starting to be primed or conditioned to be highly skeptical of these things. Like, I'm like, you know what? I'm happy to try it myself and I want to see how it actually affects me. I want to live it. I want to experience it. And so do you have uh, a story of a customer you work with, and this is probably a good time to introduce, A, what are the solutions that EAS is building today? What is like the flagship product? And then B, like studies aside, 
Is there a story you can reference that you're particularly proud of that shows the before and after of using the product and its effect on the customer's life? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I do. I do have a story for you. And I have to get the dates right, but 2017, 2018, the Toronto Raptors basketball team, they were the sick, sickest team in NBA. They had the most missed days due to illness. The offseason, they discovered the Jade Air purifi- Purification Systems, and they subsequently installed them in the trainers' rooms, locker rooms, conference rooms. They put them in the players' homes, their second homes. So now the players and staff were exposed to the to good air quality for a, a good period of time. The following year, the Toronto Raptors were the healthiest team in the league. They had the least sick days of any team in the league. And coincidentally, maybe not, that's the year they won the championship. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I was expecting to hear something like, you know, the typical story of someone has asthma, they started using this unit and now they're puffing way less. Or you're talking about people who spend millions of dollars literally into becoming the highest performant humans on earth. And yeah, I don't know if I can chuck this one up as coincidence. TJ, I, ho- I hope they sent you some type of memorabilia. <laughs> right? Did they send some signatures your way? Or Come on. I yeah, hope the Raptors yeah. coach gave you the, some type of phone call. That wasn't my sale, but yeah, I, they were absolutely recognized by the team. Yeah, wow. for sure. Yeah, my, my um, big gripe with these air filters, my fiance and I used to have one, I, th- I forget the name of the brand, but we used to have one in in our apartment. And the two big complaints we had, A, it was just a bit too noisy. Like, of course, you're like, all right, yeah, we want the benefits, but you got to bump the volume on the TV a couple notches louder. You got to start talking louder to even just have a casual conversation. Just frustrating. And then the, the second, I think, mo- more annoying piece was we invested – I think it was like $1,200 and we financed it over however many months, but $1,200 plus with tax on top. And the damn thing just like it didn't live. Like it it lasted for two years and change. Every few months we had to swap out the filter. So a $1,200 purchase ended up being a a multi-thousand purchase when you're talking about all the filters, the replacements, and then it just – it survived – a few years. So I I just want to, for me to better understand, how does the Jade compete on those two fronts? Because I hear you on the efficacy and making sure that it kills the particulates and any living organisms. But just for a casual person that wants to have uh, a very smart purchase that lives a long time and isn't super noisy. How does the Jade compare to some of these other name brands? It was very important that the Jade be engineered and designed to meet those criteria. Because if you did not have a uh, an air purifier that was quiet, people would a either turn it off or turn it down. 
And when you turn it down, it just doesn't move as much air and it's not as effective. So sound was really important. We needed high airflow too. So it was, the Jade is designed for, in fact, the Jade is moving, it was right behind me. It's three feet away from me. It's moving 312 CFM right now. Wow. Wait, the, the Jade is behind you right now? Yeah. It's, I just reached back and touched it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. So listeners, not to be like overly salesy, but you've got like a professional mic that picks up every sound around you. And I can't even, now that I'm like intently listening, maybe I can hear like a very subtle hum, but the thing is silent. The thing is almost like dead silent. That's amazing. Yeah. One person told us that he lived on a busy road and he had ambient noise machines like the waves or the the rain. He's, he has the jade. He said he loves this because it provides a nice steady sound and it's easily tune outable. Wow. Your other point was life and mm-hmm. cost of consumables, the, the filters. So the jade... The motor and the fan and the Jade are rated for well over 15 years. And that's if you ran it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's a rating. And typically with industrial motors and things, that the life is even way longer than that. So uh, this is going to be with you for a very long time. All right, TJ. I want to, to end this conversation with just a, your broader take on the industry at large. What are any trends that you're particularly excited about that you think are good for climate solutions and its connection with air quality or uh, research technology breakthrough, any of the above? What are some of these broader narratives, experiments, research trends that you're really excited about? Well, we're living in a time right now that we're, we're not doing what we really need to be doing, which is getting together, meeting. I personally think that two minds are better than one. And when you get a group of people together, amazing things happen. And yeah, we're getting together on Zoom and remotely through the computer, but there's something about meeting in person. Ideas are created that right now are really needed. So what am I excited about? I'm excited about helping people be their best, have their best cognitive ability, feel the healthiest so that they can get together, they can team together and come up with real solutions so that we're not creating VOCs in the abundance that we are. Everybody gets excited when they buy a new car, they have this new car smell. But that new car smell is a combination of 50 or 60 VOCs. Sure, they go away pretty quickly in a few weeks, but in those few weeks, we're breathing in pretty bad air. Auto manufacturers are absolutely looking to get rid of that. And those are the people. We're looking for all those innovators to come up with new materials, new way of doing things so that we don't create this pollution that is harming us uh, every day. Yeah, TJ, I, I can't say anything outside of I echo what you're saying 100%. For my seat, in addition to in good hands, I create games for a living, physical games. And it is the kind of epitome of creative work. 
coming up with new content, new game mechanics, new games altogether. And not only do I just sorely miss the serendipity of being close to other people and coming up with new ideas outside of the highly structured Zoom environment where you got to say, all right, from 10 to 11 a.m., we're going to go on the Zoom call and we're going to start thinking. It's just not really – it's not how, at least for me, it's not how my creative process works. Anything, any product, any service, any breakthrough that can help bring us back to um, some semblance of normalcy in a safe way that can improve or at least increase the frequency with which these serendipitous moments happen is a huge win for me. I want to leave you just with one last opportunity. Um, I'm going to roll the red carpet. Are there any final call to actions, hiring needs at EIS, anything that you want to leave with our listeners? TJ, the floor is yours. The biggest thing that we have, I really appreciate this opportunity, Peter, because the biggest issue that we have is is bringing awareness of, of this issue of indoor air quality and air quality to people and how it affects them. So providing this platform and to such a great audience is, believe me, from the bottom of my heart, I really thank you for this. So that's what I want. I, I, I want... I want people to have this technology. I want people to be healthy. I want them to be free of symptoms and and be outstanding. I'm a huge believer in the potential of humanity and and people. So what we're doing at EAS is, for your listeners, we're offering a significant discount on the purchase of the Jades. So if you go to www.easne.com slash jade, You'll go directly to the Jades page where you'll be able to view some additional information on the Jade and you'll be able to purchase it. If you add coupon code in good hands, you'll receive a significant discount. It's over 20%. It's I'm grouping all of your listeners together as one big group and one big community. So I'm I, I want everybody to have this in their hands. I want it. I want them to have this technology in their office. I want it to have them in their homes because you, if you could spend one day in, in my seat, you would see how important it is in the people's lives that do make the decision to purchase. It's phenomenal. We installed it in a school system, in a private school system, and one was installed in every classroom. And we, we didn't get it. We got a call from a parent thanking us for helping keep their child safe. And then she subsequently said, I want them from my home. (laughs) Yeah. TJ, first of all, thank you again for the kind words. Thank you for supporting the show, for supporting what I do, for extending this type of discount and offer to all of the listeners in our community. For anyone listening here, we, we haven't done any sponsorships since we kicked off the show with Byte. It's because we've been reached out um, by a, a bunch of different opportunities and products, but you just, for me personally, I just don't feel comfortable showing face and giving the platform to someone or something that I don't genuinely believe in. And 
after doing my own research, after speaking with you, after talking to other people, other customers that have used your product before, I've just come around to the realization that indoor air quality is one of the greatly neglected opportunities that we can significantly increase the quality of our lives just by getting one product, putting it into where we work, where we live, and that's it. Set it and forget it. And so again, TJ, congrats on an imminent one century milestone. Um, congrats on working your way up the ladder. And again, thank you again for, for me as well. Thank you for the bottom of my heart for allowing me to continue to do the show. I, I seriously do appreciate it. Well, it was a pleasure, Peter. It was great talking to you. And thank you again. All right. Take care, TJ. All right. Bye-bye. Hey there, you made it to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. We're actively casting for new guests on our show. So if you have a rock star founder or company in mind that's working on something cool, message me on Instagram at PeterA11 or email us, hello at ingothands.us. Thank you so much again and look forward to bring you another new episode next Tuesday.